0: wade into wealth taking one of life's most intimidating topics money your financial well-being and providing simple easy to understand ways to be more comfortable with your own financial health this is wade into wealth brought to you by the wade group at brighton securities well this is a story that's been changing a lot Uh, we're talking about sbc financial Uh, you may know it as silicon valley bank which is um a bank that, over the past couple of days, has dominated the news, especially in the financial markets. Um, we're going to talk about what happened, but first, let's start with the newest news of what do we know this morning? because there were some big, big changes over the weekend from a bank that had been taken over by the FDIC, and a lot of companies wondering,
1: what happened to our money? And now we have some uh, now we have some news. Well, what you saw with a company like SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, is that a lot of their clients are technology companies, Mm -hmm. and with that, a vast majority of them held deposits in excess of the $250,000 FDIC insurance coverage. Almost
0: 90%
1: of the bank's deposits were uninsured, meaning in excess of the- The $250,000 limit, and- as a company, you're probably looking at that concern as how are we going to be able to make payroll next week? If the only amount of assets that we have protected are 250000 mm-hmm. and our payroll probably is a lot more than that on a biweekly basis, that's a problem. And so what we saw over the weekend was from the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and the Fed Chief Jerome Powell stating that the Federal Reserve and the United States Treasury was going to come in, or FDIC, was going to come in and guarantee the deposits that are at that bank in excess of that $250,000 limit. So that allows some of these companies, one, to take a breath because they should be able to make their payrolls Mm -hmm. now, which is helpful, but also other institutions to be able to see or other investors to see that, they have some coverage there if you're at SVB or one of the other banks where there's concern and where, where there are issues with them right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll get into in a bit what happened and why so many of these deposits were uninsured and what kind of customers were at this bank. I think there's a real concern from conversations I've had with clients, um, from things that you're just seeing on the internet, which we know everything we see on the internet's true. Um but in some of the sentiment on various forms of social media that people are just wondering, are we looking at a repeat of 2008? Because there's a couple of banks now, SVB Financial,
1: I will never forget.
0: Another one that was fairly heavy into cryptocurrency and, and, um, and, and that part of the uh, economy that are essentially getting bailed out. And I think people are rightfully uh, concerned when they see the headlines
1: or understandably yeah, I mean, concerned. When you see bank failures, it's not something, especially with the wounds of 2008 and 2009, uh, rarely is that going to be something that makes people feel settled and feel comfortable. There's the concern of where, how far does this go? What is the impact that it has for other banks and other organizations? And ultimately, at this point, we don't know. Mm-hmm. What we do know about the banks that are exposed to this and right in the thick of it, is that they really weren't diversified with the clients that they had. right? Meaning SVB very much focused on technology companies, very much focused on new startup companies. What was the other one? I, it's escaping my mind, the name that you just mentioned. Signature Bank. Signature, very much exposed to cryptocurrency. Right. Riskier parts of just the overall investment world. And I think this is a good lesson, not just for investors in the power of diversification, but it's also a good lesson in business owners in the power of diversification yes. and not having your clients all centered in one particular industry or one area. Because when everything's going well, and we saw this with te- with technology companies, except for 2022, technology companies have been doing very, very well. They've been some of the best performers in the market for the better part of probably close to a decade. Mm-hmm. The and best performers. Right. Yeah. That masks these issues when everything's going well. yep. yep. But yep. It, it always works until it doesn't work anymore, and that's the exact point that yep. we're in right now. This is something that, that I think is important to note.
0: You touched on it. These banks are not your typical banks. Right, The majority of individuals, they didn't do a ton of individual yep. banking. There were wealthy individuals. There were individuals that banked with Silicon Valley Bank. That's going to be the focus of what we talk about today. The majority of customers were businesses and startup companies. They mm-hmm. were not you and me or your typical banking customer that wants to make deposits, make deposits, take out a mortgage or do some lending. So that is a really important distinction to make.
1: And that's also probably exactly case. exactly why so many of the deposits there were above the FDIC threshold. Well, it is. it was businesses right. doing it and not necessarily Mr. and Mrs. Rochester. Right.
0: So let's talk about what happened, because I think before we go any further, we should give a an explainer of, well, what was this bank? What was SVB Financial? Why was it in a position um, for this to happen? So we'll call it Silicon Valley Bank. That's what it was known as. SVB mm-hmm. Financials was the official name. It was a bank that dealt a lot with startup companies and technology companies. What's a startup? Startup's a company that somebody creates. Um, and it's a new company. Many startups don't make a lot of money, but the, the hope is that they grow and grow and grow. In a lot of cases, startup founders will hope that their company is acquired
1: by a larger company. That's when you get a really big payday. Um, and while they don't make a lot of money, that means that they are forced to borrow money mm-hmm. to fund the operations of the business that they have. That's not That's something that's key to startups. It's also key to technology companies as a whole. Right. Because technology companies, they're not your Procter & Gamble who's been around for decades and decades and need-based type of product that we have. Technology companies, even though maybe they've been around for 20 or 30 years, they're still relatively new and they still will operate. They don't have the earnings flow like a more mature need-based type of business does, which means they still are going to rely on debt to fund Mm. some of their operations and therefore makes them very susceptible to large interest rate increases. Right? Some startups you may know,
0: Instagram, which is now owned by Meta, which is Facebook, Uber, Lyft, Pinterest, Airbnb, a lot of technology companies. But a startup company often cannot go to a traditional bank and say, We have a business. Well, they can, but they can't fund their operations with it. To say, hey, I have a business idea. I I have an app that is going to, I want people to post pictures, and everyone else will comment and like on it. A lot of the times, they'll go to what's called venture capitalists, which are people that are looking to invest in new companies in the hopes of hitting a home run, so to speak. And a lot of the times, they'll miss. There'll be a swing and a miss, the business or company Flames out and nothing happens. Investors will lose their money. But in some cases, you get a home run and that's when venture capitalists make their money. So a lot of these technology companies that started or are in the process of trying to grow and become big, become profitable, go to venture capitalists, go to non-traditional investors to get money. And that's uh, when you might hear about fundraising or capital raising or fundraising rounds. That's how these companies get money. Now, that money is for things like payroll, research, development, investment, um, advertising, marketing. That's what this money is used for. These companies that were getting this money from investors or venture capitalists or hedge funds deposited their money at Silicon Valley Bank. Mm -hmm. That's what this bank was holding. Very much known for technology companies and startup companies. Uh-huh. And business was booming prior to 2022. In three years, yes. 2019 to 2022, deposits at Silicon Valley Bank tripled, which is, that just doesn't happen at a traditional bank. Deposits don't triple over a three-year period. Mm-hmm. It takes years and, and, and decades for that to happen. But that's also because technology companies were growing at a record clip. And everybody wanted a piece of it. Everybody wants a piece of it. People wanted to give money. They wanted to invest in companies. So what's happening is while the, te- while the technology sector is booming, there is more investment coming in from all the, from various areas. So companies are able to increase their deposits, but they're also not having to spend down their deposits because yep. new money is coming in. If new money is coming in, you're not having to dip into your savings.
1: And remember, interest rates were very, very low. Right. The cost of borrow money up until last year was incredibly cheap and so even though you have investment coming in the money that you were borrowing excuse me you had some of the lowest interest rates that we've seen in history yep and so that wasn't a concern for a lot of these companies to take on debt because they're probably looking say, well the cost of capital is almost non-existent the cost of capital is the interest rate that you have to pay to borrow money Mm -hmm. and it's easy to take on debt when rates are low except when those rates start to rise. Right. And the investment flow into those businesses starts to get choked off. Yep. So then
0: two things happen. We get to 2022. Interest rates start to go up. Significantly. Because we've got inflation, so the Federal Reserve is raising rates to try to bring inflation under control. Rising interest rates, not good for technology companies.
1: No, because they have to borrow so much money, which means that cost of capital that we just talked about now just got a lot more expensive. And in a lot of cases... Interest rates last year went up more than 100%. Right. Meaning the cost for a lot of these companies to borrow money doubled. If not more. Right.
0: Because they're often, they're also companies with greater risk associated with them. So they're not often getting the best rate. Correct. So you have to borrow at a higher price. The other thing that starts to happen is that investment cash infusions start to slow. Mm -hmm. People start tightening their belts a little bit, just like most American, most people did or are continuing to do. So investment is slowing. New cash coming in
1: is slowing, which means what have, what do these companies have to do? Well, we saw it. They got to start laying off workers. Two, two, two things. We saw that technology companies started laying off workers, but what you were getting at, which is very important for this conversation, they've got to start drawing on the deposits that they have sitting in the banks now right. because now they have to either rely on more debt or they've got to start drawing off of the assets that they have in the banks to meet payroll, to cover taxes just for everyday expenses of the business, their operating expenses, they got to start drawing down some of their assets for that. And that's where we s- the problem or the plot thickens. That's the first part of the problem. Well, it's the first part. The, the, the it, first domino. Correct. The customers of this bank now are needing to access a lot more of their deposits than they've been forced to in the past right? because they were getting investment from venture capitalist funds And the cost of borrow money was very low. Both of those changed. Funds going into technology companies, the NASDAQ in 2022 was down almost 35%. So not only were funds slowing down going in there, people were probably pulling some of their funds from technology companies. And the first part of the domino was that these businesses needed to start accessing their money at the bank a lot more than they had previously. Have you seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Uh, no. Okay. But mom and dad were over this past weekend and they were talking about It's a Wonderful Life when they were asking me about what was going on.
0: Well, because there's one of the most famous scenes in the movie is the main character, George Bailey, runs the Bailey Brothers Savings and Loan. And they lent money out for people in this fictional town, which is based on Seneca Falls in New York, to um, build homes. And there's a scene where George Bailey and his wife are going away in the taxi on their honeymoon. They drive by the bank, and the taxi cab driver says, boy, if I didn't know better, I'd say that looks like a run. And you see people lined up outside the bank. So George Bailey goes in, and everyone wants their money back. They're simulating this is kind of like the the Great Depression, everyone wanting their money out of the bank. And at one point, someone says, I want my money back. And George Bailey says, all right, well, you know, you'll get your money back in 60 days. He says, well, I want my money now. And, And George Bailey says, well... We don't have your money right now. Your money's in that person's home, and in that person's home, and in that person's home. Banks. The point is, banks don't have all of the deposits on hand. They, sure. they oh, never yeah. do. Yeah. That money is lent out to collect interest. Yep. Or banks will invest that money. So it's not as simple. The point I'm making is it's not as simple as everyone goes into the bank and gets their money back. Oh, the no, no. Bank, the banks will have money on hand to meet. Normal deposits. They all yeah. have that, and they know what typical the typical inflow and outflow is on a regular basis, but SVB Financial, not a traditional bank, so now people are starting to take their money out. This money had been invested in many cases, and it had been invested in not bad investments. They weren't bad investments, so to speak, but it was long-term treasury bills, yep. mortgage-backed securities, and they had invested when rates were low and bond prices were were higher. So they invested at higher prices and now they're having to start to sell these, they're having to start to sell these investments off to make money available.
1: So what does that do? When interest rates have gone up more than 100% and all of a sudden the banks have to sell some of their fixed income securities that are longer term banks, excuse me, longer term bonds and longer term investments, they're very much affected by the rise in interest rates. And therefore, they have to sell those, and upon selling those to meet the de- the demands of their customers to pay out some of the deposits, they start to incur losses on that side of their business too. So not only do their customers need to access more of their money than they've had to for the past couple of years, but the bank has to go start selling off some of the investments that they've made, and in doing so, because interest rates have gone up so much, they start to incur pretty hefty losses on the sales of of those investments. And eventually, they fall below the regulatory's threshold for the capital requirements that they can have. And that's a problem. That's when the FDIC steps in and shuts your bank down.
0: The FDIC stepped in to shut it down. It was made public a couple days earlier when the bank had to announce it. They announced a share offering as a way to try to raise money. And again, the dominoes continue to fall. But in the meantime, what's happening is Companies are starting to see this, that had money invested with SVB.
1: Knowing they're above the FDIC limit, too. Right. So
0: there is there is panic. Yeah. Because you have business owners that that are worried, can we make payroll next week? Are we able to meet our, our most basic obligations if we can't get this money out? So people start. So you do have a run in the bank.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You have it in. in uh, and then it, it just makes everything worse.
0: Yes. It makes everything worse. That tends to ripple down. That's why you saw the Dow down. I think what six hundred points one day on Thursday and three hundred or something on Friday. Yeah. So we lost almost a thousand points in the Dow in two days because there was this concern. The FDIC steps in, shuts the bank down. That hasn't really happened since two thousand and eight.
1: Well, and they don't typically shut the bank down in the middle of the day. No, either. They they normally wait till the end. But on Friday they shut it down in the middle of the day.
0: Now because I I think it they didn't want it to get worse. Yeah. Absolutely. And you want to get worse. So um, that's what happened. And, and this is what I've been trying to you know think. Is this a bank problem? Where is the problem? Who, who is likely to be hurt most by this? Because in 2008, it was a bank issue. Mm-hmm. Banks were making bad investments on mortgages they were giving to everybody and their brother. Um, I actually think well, until, until the FDIC and everyone said we're going to make everyone whole, this was more of a technology company problem. Technology yeah, sector problem
1: because what happens with all these uninsured deposits? How do people get how do businesses get their money back? Yeah, and you I mean your question was who gets hurt by this? My first response was going to be the depositors who have the money above the FDIC insurance limit. Now FDIC stepped in and they've guaranteed that. Uh, you know, shareholders are gonna be hurt. They're their the value of this probably going to zero. Frankly, I would rather see the depositors protected than the shareholders protected. Which is scenario. right, which is that's what the right way that it, yes. that it should be done. Uh, because, again, the folks who would not get paid if the limits were not increased or those deposits weren't guaranteed have nothing to do with this. And that's
0: going to ripple down
1: a long ways. Yeah, that's employees.
0: Right. That's people that have mortgages and rent. That's to food pay, on the table food, for families. Right, that's utility right,
1: bills right. getting paid. And so the need to make payroll for those companies, I think, was paramount. Yeah, and they've sold for that, which kind of allows for a little bit of a breather. Um, you know, we don't know ultimately the effect or how far this goes, but on the surface, it very much seems like a bank that wasn't diversified enough in terms of the customers that they had buying very long thirty-year treasuries when rates are at historical lows. You know, in hindsight, that's a very poor decision, mm-hmm. but.
0: Well, and that's a reason, I mean, to, I'm going to change the subject a little bit when we really have tried to avoid, we've talked to client upon client about, look, we're going to avoid longer term bond investments. Yes. And this, this is the purpose, reason exactly. why. Yeah. This is the reason why. So I'm curious, we haven't talked about this. What what are your takeaways from this? And th- this is, there's a lot to play out still. So this, you know, I'm sure we'll revisit this multiple times.
1: What are your takeaways now? What do you, what do you think? What sticks with you? Why don't? Yeah, what sticks with me is a good idea or a, a good point. And I think the first of it is, one, it's a lesson for everybody in the power of diversification, mm-hmm. of diversifying within your account so that you don't only hold Silicon Valley bank stock. Right. But as a business, so that you don't just diversify in one area of customers, so that you're not just exposed to the technology sector or startup businesses. But the other side is that when everything's going well, investors are always willing to throw caution to the wind when it comes to risk. Yeah. We have to remember that the tree, no tree grow, grows to the sky. And everything is going well. Everyone wanted to put their money into technology companies and into startup companies. I remember I had a, a prospective client who the 401k was all technology. And it's, well, I've averaged 15% a year. Mm-hmm. You have. You're absolutely right. You have because technology has been on fire and doing fantastic for the better part of the past 10 years. That won't last forever. Mm-hmm. Nope. And so we can't have the expectation that, Everyone else is making money off of this. This has been going great for five years now. Things slow down and things change. And while you may miss out on some of the upside when everything's going great there, when times like this happen, you're probably a little bit more insulated Mm -hmm. and you probably sleep a lot better at night. Yeah,
0: good point, good point. Um, I had a couple of thoughts. One is that the... Living and operating within your means, and this is what I'd say, drill it down to a personal level with with our clients, is that let's say you are withdrawing too much money or you're spending too much money on a regular basis. Now, if you have some investments, you have some savings, it's typically usually okay when everything's going well. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, that was okay uh, the past ten years because the market was going up and you were able to maybe take six, seven, eight, nine percent out on a regular basis and be okay, make the majority of that up, maybe make a still be positive. What happens when everything goes the other way? And now you're starting to have to liquidate investments at a loss. You are seeing the value of your portfolio not only decline because of the fact that the market's down and investments are down, but because you're continuing to make withdrawals in excess of what is sustainable. Mm -hmm. So that is to me, it's, it's a drill down a little bit, but it's a it's another reason to really make sure that you're you're operating within your means in a sustainable manner everything works until it doesn't but when it doesn't that's when people really get hurt mm-hmm. um and so that to me uh stood out the other thing is is that i i i love using analogies and stories to try to make things easy to understand this to me seems a lot like our politi- the political spectrum in the united states in that you've got The far right and the far left, and then you got a bunch of people in the center. Mm -hmm. These kinds of banks, to me, seem like the outliers, the far right or the far left. They make a lot of noise. We hear a lot about them, but it's not very representative of the whole. And to me, that's what this looks like. Does that mean that the banking system is going to crash in the United States? I don't know that that's what it means. I'm inclined not to think so. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of noise being made right now, and it's getting a lot of attention. So that's, that's how I would uh,
1: characterize it. But how this plays out uh, remains to be seen. And if you have more than 250000 sitting in a bank, uh, you may look at diversifying a little bit further. Although it does seem like the uh, FDIC just kind of sent out a broad notice that if, if a bank fails and you have deposits above it, yeah. we'll, we'll honor those.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, but I would say, look, that's, again, because I don't know if that they would do that with individuals. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. But let's not,
1: uh, don't play with fire. Yeah. If you have bank balances above that threshold, Give consider some opening up another bank account with a different bank where you can get, uh, expand that a little bit further so that you know that you're covered right. and you have that peace of mind.
0: The FDIC will only cover you up to $250,000 at each at, at one bank, if you've got 500,000 at one bank, you're only covered up to 250. You can have multiple bank accounts at different locations. And every one of those is insured up to $250,000, mm-hmm. 500,000 at one bank. You're only insured 50%. If you've got it at two banks and it's 250 each, you're 100% insured. So, so this, this is a good time to give some thought to that. If this is applicable to you, uh, I'm sure we'll revisit this but uh
1: yeah i mean this is not going away anytime soon and i think from an investment standpoint we have to remember that there's going to be a lot of noise out there mm-hmm. um does this warrant looking through your portfolio and making a bunch of wholesale changes maybe not um are there some opportunities there there could be but i think it's important to stay focused on the long term uh we've been through situations like this before and you know, allow your long-term objectives to drive the, drive the investment decisions that you're making, not the short-term headlines of the day. Well, we've said it multiple times, the
0: situations and the reasons for chaos and volatility are always different. Mm-hmm. The thing that typically is not different is how we as individuals and investors behave. Right. Those most likely to be rewarded in the long run are the ones that can do the average thing while the world around them is going crazy. Yep, that's we'll a great way to that. that. Okay, thanks for being with us. Contact The Wade Group at Wade Group at BrightonSecurities.com. or find them on Facebook or Twitter at The Wade Group. Thanks for listening to Wade into Wealth, brought to you by The Wade Group at Brighton Securities.